Welcome, welcome, welcome into Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. My name is Peter Roman, and this is episode 12 of the quarantine edition of my radio show. Can't believe it's been 12 episodes, that's crazy to say. But this week, I only have two segments lined up. It's my live sports update, and it's my COVID-19 sports news update. I'll have the news update at the end of the show today, but I'm going to start with the live sports update because hockey is back, basketball is back, the NBA and NHL are back underway, and it's so exciting. I'm not going to lie, I've been very glued to my television watching a lot of sports even though it's super hot out and it's august but i'm so excited that these leagues are back so of course i'm gonna start with the nhl because they're actually in do or die playoff games and then i'll move to the nba after that and then i'll talk a little bit about the mls following that so i have to start of course with the calgary flames and the winnipeg jets i did mention on my show last week that Today, I'd be reacting to the Game 2 that took place earlier today. And I want to make this very clear. I am recording my show on August 3rd at about 7 p.m. So that's when I'm recording this. So any result that comes after this, I won't know about. Unless I have a time-traveling machine, but last I checked, I don't. So... (laughs) regardless the flames played the jets at 12 30 today and sadly for calgary it didn't go as well as the game on saturday did they lost three to two to winnipeg in game number two after a four to one win on saturday and so the series is tied one one with the winnipeg jets i have a lot of things to say about this series but i'll try to keep it a little bit concise because i have a lot of stuff to get to but in game one i thought calgary defensively was unbelievably stout and I think they played extremely well. I realized Winnipeg were a little bit short-handed and I'll get to that in a second but I do think Calgary played an exceptional game one and game two I don't think the Flames were bad in game two but it obviously was far from their best although there is one thing I will say is that I certainly hope there are lineup changes made by Jeff Ward the coach of the Flames because there's a couple pedestrians right now, a couple passengers on the Flames lineup. And I'm not going to say names this week because I'll wait and see if they redeem themselves. But I might have a lot to say next week depending on the result of this series. We'll have to wait and see on that. But certainly a couple of players I think shouldn't be in the lineup right now. And there's a couple that I would like to see given an opportunity although I will give out some praise Johnny Gaudreau finally scored in a playoff game again that was just five years overdue but that was good to see from him Elias Lindholm scored his first goal in the playoffs as well also good to see Sean Monaghan was not very good in game number two but I thought played really well in game one and again good to see because these guys were just not very good at all last year So, 
some positives there for Calgary. I think Cam Talbot, too. I'm a little disappointed David Riddick didn't get the start, as I'm sure for anyone who listened to my playoff preview, you know that I thought Riddick deserved and earned the game one start. He didn't get it, but I have nothing negative to say about Cam Talbot. I think he's been fine. I just don't think... See, to me, Cam Talbot hasn't exactly been peppered with high-grade scoring chances outside of the one miraculous save he made today in game number two. But Talbot hasn't, you know, it's not like he's facing like 40 shots or something. But, you know, he's not letting in softies either. So, I don't know. I think Talbot's been solid. I would keep Talbot for game number three. And that's just my opinion. I don't think you go to Riddick, at least not yet. We'll wait and see again on the other games in this series. The last note I wanted to hit on, though, of course, was the injury situation. And that was a big talking point after game one. So the first quick one was Line got hurt. Him and Giordano ended up with an incident in the boards. And the two of them were kind of battling with each other. And it's a little unclear how Line hurt himself. But it was a hand injury. He did not play in game two. And remains to be... I guess it's a wait-and-see thing as to his status for Game 3. Mark Scheifele's, though, was scary. And first of all, to any Jets fan who might think that Kachuk did what he did on purpose, that is absolutely not true. Absolutely not. There's no way that was on purpose. Kachuk had his skate in the air after delivering a light body check, which was a completely normal play in almost any other hockey game. But... Kachuk had his skate in the air because he was trying to brace himself because he was going into the boards. And what happened was just so, so unfortunate in Shifley getting his skate caught and just... The good news is that Sarah Orleski of TSN, who's Winnipeg sports reporter, she was... She tweeted about how it is not believed to be a long-term injury. And I'm so happy to hear that because... It looked real bad. He immediately was just gasping in pain and grabbing his knee. So I'm glad it doesn't sound like a long-term injury. We'll see if Shifley can come back at all in the series. I have my doubts about that. But at the very least, you know, even if he's not back this series, it's not anything that's going to impact him long-term. Going forward, Calgary's got to do better than what they were in Game 2. And they got to take advantage of the fact that even though you never like to see injuries, the Winnipeg second line is now very, very beatable. So they got to take advantage of that matchup. Anyway, on to the other NHL games. Montreal and Pittsburgh. This game is going on right now as I speak. Game two of this series. Game one was a stunning upset as a, my, first per, my first wrong prediction of my bracket for the play-in games because Montreal defeated Pittsburgh in overtime Jeff Petrie scoring the game winning goal I picked Pittsburgh to sweep Montreal that is obviously now incorrect Pittsburgh could still win this series and I still think they probably will but Montreal got some fantastic goaltending from Carey Price they got you know a little bit of a a lucky goal a little bit of a scrappy goal there with the Kotkaniemi opener And in a five-game series, you never know if you can steal a game here or there. Like, again, Pittsburgh's a team that's kind of been there, done that. This core has won two Stanley Cups, so I'm not too, too worried about the Penguins. But Montreal has to believe that, you know what, they got a shot at this. And 
for everybody on the planet who is doubting the Canadians, I think there's a little bit of optimism to be had with Montreal. Chicago and Edmonton. Now this series, again, game two goes tonight about an hour and a half from when I'm recording this. And Edmonton, let's just say, had a less than favorable start on their own home ice as they lost 6-4 to Chicago in the Game 1 opening match. Now, 6-4 is very kind to the Edmonton Oilers. It wasn't actually that close. The Oilers got killed. It was 6-2, and the Oilers got some garbage goals. Now, the Oilers' offense wasn't bad in this game, but my goodness, that defense was so terrible. For anyone who hasn't seen the second goal of this game, for anybody who's actually played hockey out there, I think, you know, that is a grade A example of how when you get four Edmonton players in the left-hand corner trying to get the puck and you leave, you know, future Hall of Famer Jonathan Taves sitting on his lonesome, he could literally pull out a margarita. I'm, I swear, he had so much space, so much time. Like, you could not tell the difference between Jonathan Taves and someone trying to stay literally as far away as possible doing, a, d doing some kind of physical distancing outside. So, yeah, it, it was bad. That was really bad. And the Oilers' defense was just, in general, very, very bad. Again, it's one game, so it's not the end of the road here for the Oilers. But Chicago is a team that does have some championship experience. And Edmonton doesn't have a lot. So game two tonight will be very fascinating to see how the Oilers bounce back from this. Or don't bounce back from this. Because, again, their offense I don't think played badly in the game. But their defense did. And they can't be that bad if they want to win this series. Anyway, on to the Rangers and the Hurricanes. Carolina won the very first game of the NHL restart, 3-2, and won game two earlier today to take a 2-0 lead in the series. It looks like it's going to be nice and quick. I think the Rangers will probably win game three, and that's just because it's really hard to sweep a team. But nonetheless, Carolina has looked pretty comfortable they look like the superior team they have been the superior team and like I mentioned in my preview I like where the Rangers are going but I think it's just a year too early for them Carolina by the way if I'm a team in the seeding round for the Eastern Conference I don't want the Hurricanes because they are they are very difficult out for any team that does get them in the next round assuming they win a third game which I'm making the assumption but that might be premature. Who knows? I might be eating those words next week. We'll see. Anyway, the Islanders and the Panthers is the next series. So the Islanders won game one, two to one. That game went yesterday. Florida, I think, will definitely need to... They'll need to find a way to break down that Islanders defense, which, of course, is the bread and butter of the New York Islanders. But still, very close game. And I predicted a close series, and I don't... I didn't see anything from the opening game to suggest anything otherwise. Anyway, I wanted to do quickly before I get into the last three series a couple of round robin notes. Um, there's not a lot to say here other than Tampa Bay defeated Washington 
Nassim Kadri scored a buzzer-beating goal, which was really cool. And the Flyers defeated the Bruins. Again, the seeding round kind of has some meaning, but not everything. So it's a little hard to tell how much stock to put into the seeding round games. But nonetheless, they're still happening. Anyway, on to the other three. Predators and Coyotes. So Arizona won 4-3 in game number one. Sadly, it was not a great start for Sados in his first ever playoff debut. Darcy Kemper... I mean, the guys, if Kemper isn't like the most underrated goalie in hockey, I'm not sure who is. This guy is solid day in, day out. And I realize that Arizona is a defensive-minded team that has some playmakers up front. But I really like Kemper. And you know what? Arizona? Maybe. There could be an upset on the cards. And... I'm not trying to beat my own chest because that is one game into a series that I'm hoping I get predicted correct. <laughs> Nonetheless. All right. Leafs and Blue Jackets. So Columbus won game number one by a 2 to nothing score. It was really 1-0 because Columbus scored an empty netter with a few seconds left. But Freddie Anderson, and I kind of feel bad, but the Leafs goalie, he played really well. You know, didn't make any mistakes until Atkinson shot one right underneath his arm in the third period. And it's just, I'm sorry, but he should have saved it. Plain and simple. That was a very, for an NHL goalie, it was not a very difficult save. And Toronto, ultimately, you know, they didn't score any goals because Corpusalo got the shutout. But... Anderson still probably should have saved it. Anyway, I want to give a shout-out to the Columbus defense because Seth Jones, David Savard, and Zach Wierenski were all brilliant in the game. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people like panicking and laughing at the Leafs. It's only one game, so I don't think that's 100% warranted yet. But if there's one note I have to make, it's that the Maple Leafs have Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and John Tavares on their team. Those three players that I just mentioned are three of the highest paid players in the entire sport of hockey. And so, maybe it's, you know, maybe a good time to show up, guys. Just putting that out there. And finally, the last series, the Canucks and the Wild. Minnesota won this game 3 to nothing yesterday in game one of the series. I'm not putting a ton of stock into this game, only because, to me... The way I looked at game one was that it felt like Vancouver was a team that hadn't played in the playoffs before and Minnesota was a team that had. And that's exactly true of their situations. I still think Vancouver is probably the better team, but they looked like a team that was nervous playing their first playoff game. And you know what? That happens sometimes. Game two will be fascinating for the Canucks and the Wild. Okay, that is NHL over and done with. I'll get to the NBA really quickly. So the NBA is doing the regular season restart, so they're not playoff games, so I'm not going to spend as much time on them. But I do want to say that the Pelicans giving Zion a minutes restriction and then not playing him in the last minute drew so many parallels to the last dance when Michael Jordan was given the same treatment. Just saying. Anyway, did not like that. The Pelicans, by the way, not in great standing right now. The Houston Rockets weirdest team in basketball but they're pretty effective playing their micro lineup with 
you know, next to no height for NBA, C NBA team standards. The San Antonio Spurs, low-key, have been very good in the restart so far, and they are currently the ninth seed in a battle to try and get into the play-in game and be the eighth seed in the Western Conference. The Memphis Grizzlies, it is not going that well for the Memphis Grizzlies. They have started out very poorly, and they will need to pick it up. Otherwise, they're not going to be in the playoffs going forward. And that is pretty much all I want to say. Raptors did beat the Lakers, but again, there's not a ton of stock I put into that because these games aren't as important. For in the NBA restart, it's really about a lot of the middle teams in the West, the battle for eighth, and in the East, it's about uh, Indiana, Philadelphia, and Miami, who are all really close together and kind of tightly knit. Indiana, by the way, I should mention, got a huge win over the 76ers, where TJ Warren, and this is kind of a cool story, Warren dropped 51 points for the Pacers against the Sixers, and he was a guy that got traded from the Sixers for, and I'm not joking, cast cash considerations so must have felt pretty good to stick it to his old team and finally the mls tournament all the canadian teams got eliminated <laughs> toronto vancouver and montreal of course in the round of 16 but we have semi-finalists now philadelphia is gonna play portland on the one side and Orlando is getting Minnesota on the other side. Orlando defeated LAFC in penalties. Minnesota comfortably defeating San Jose. So that's one semifinal. Philadelphia beat Sporting KC in the quarters. And Portland beat NYCFC. The final goes August 11th for the MLS is back tournament. And finally today I wanted to close on my COVID-19 sports news update. So I'm going to start with, I, I did mention last week that I would talk about the NFL. And I'll get to them here in just a minute. But I want to start with baseball. And again, it's weird for me talking about baseball because I really, my baseball knowledge, I'm pretty sure that most of the planet knows more about baseball than I do, at least as far as the MLB. I would like to think that I know the rules of baseball, but that doesn't mean I know the league very well at all. But anyway, again, that's not the reason I'm talking about baseball. The reason why has to do with their COVID situation, which is, in a word, in a couple words, I should say, not great because... The commissioner of the league apparently told the Players Association that if things don't improve, the league might have to be suspended. The St. Louis Cardinals are the latest team in the MLB to provide multiple positive tests. In fact, I believe they've had 13 last I checked. And that has meant a ton of games have been postponed. I really don't know what to make of it. The New York Mets apparently had a player walk out on them like mid-game too. It's just... It's not a great look for baseball. I think the Major League season is very much in trouble right now. And the reason why I wanted to talk about that a little bit was because it has repercussions for the NFL. Because the NFL wants to do something similar to what baseball is doing. But baseball is kind of in a nightmare scenario and they're not even two weeks old yet. So... How is the NFL going to do this? The NFL has way more people in the sport than baseball does. So, honestly, I, I don't know. Like the NFL, the fact that they haven't really come up with a plan to prepare for COVID at all feels just, 
it feels really crappy because I love the NFL. I love football, but it's just, it feels like they're going in unprepared. And I know you might say to me, oh, but they have all these protocols and, you know, they're testing and all this stuff. And it's like, well, okay, they're only going to be testing every other day after the first two weeks, which is not great. They also can't have a bubble because there's just way too many people. And I don't know if you've noticed, but NFL teams, now that they have this COVID-19 waiver wire, it's not actually a waiver wire. Like players aren't getting released from teams. But it's basically a way for them to not count against the salary cap temporarily. That's basically all it means. But you've had players like Gardner Minshew and Matt Stafford be put on that. Eagles coach, actually, Doug Peterson, tested positive for COVID-19 a couple days ago. And so I wish him an absolute speedy recovery, the speediest of all recoveries for my head coach of my team. But it made me really angry about the NFL situation because... In my opinion, there is a way for the NFL to do a season. But the emphasis shouldn't be about business as usual. The emphasis should be about buy time. And I'll explain what I mean. So if the NFL, for example, did something like what I am proposing, which is delay the season till mid, mid to late October, only play divisional games for the first six weeks. And I know NFL purists are going to scream and say, oh, but that's going to ruin the season. Well, you're not going to have a season if you don't, like, take precautions and, you know, do different things. And after you play the first six weeks of divisional games, have a two-week bye week to give you essentially a buffer zone just in case you have to postpone a game or something. And then by that point, you're in December. And so at that point, if you're the NFL, you have to hope there's a vaccine. If there isn't, you're going to have to get creative. If there is, then you can start playing the other division in your own conference. So, for example, every season, each division plays another division in their own conference other than themselves. So the Philadelphia Eagles and the NFC East, they are supposed to play the NFC West this season so in my proposal, after the six weeks of divisional games and the two-week bye week, they would start playing the NFC West teams, and then they would go to the AFC division that they have to play, and then the final two games that are just left on schedule. That would probably be the only reasonable way the NFL could probably get something done, but I'm not too optimistic at this point in time. We'll have to wait and see, but nonetheless, that's my thought on that. And finally today, I wanted to end on some really good news because the Canadian Premier League is back, which is really exciting. They are back with what they call the Island Games. They're going to be playing a tournament in Prince Edward Island for their season. It's basically going to look like this. So there's eight teams now in the CPL. And they're going to have a round-robin format where every team plays each other once. And then the top four from the first round-robin go to the second round-robin. So it looks a little bit like the 1982 World Cup for anyone who remembers that format. But in the second round, Robin, it's the top two teams that will advance and play in the championship game in the final. That tournament is set to start August 13th. The CPL is also doing something really cool for fans who want to support Canadian soccer and who obviously aren't going to get to go to games. But they're doing this thing called the Collective that gets you a name and picture in a mural in the stadium it gets you a home jersey subscription to one soccer and lets you have unique access to players coaches all that really really cool 
And so for anybody who is looking to support Canadian soccer, the collective, I think, is a fantastic way to do that. And I'm very happy to see that the CPL is, in fact, back. And that is it. That's all I got for today. I want to thank everybody for listening in to my show. Once again, be happy, be healthy, and stay safe, everybody.